Hey everyone, welcome to the Unaware Podcast. I'm Margarita Senegomes on the behalf of NAC. Don't forget to leave us your opinion and follow us on our social media at Now Awareness Club. Hope you enjoy! Welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Unaware Podcast. Today we're going to do a deep dive on the article of politics about abstention. With me I have Gonçal Silva and Afonso Botelho. Welcome! Good morning. Good morning. Now I would like you to provide a comment about why do you think abstention is a major problem to the democratic system? So in my opinion, abstention is a huge problem because it represents some lack of uh, representation even though it comes from the people. If we think about Donald Trump and now bringing this question into the USA, um, Donald Trump had about 50% in the presidential elections, I think. But if we take abstention into account, only 25% of the Americans voted for him. So my question in this regard is, why do we continue to be on the couch now using our article? We should present our opinions, so we shouldn't let others decide what should be a process in which all the people participate. It is my view on this on this topic. Okay, so what's your view before I comment as well? The, the opposite, that's... okay. So, the biggest problem of abstention, like Pluton said several years ago, is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. So, the problem is that when you don't participate actively, and that implies voting constantly, the problem is that you end up being governed by people who don't have the merit to be there. Because most of the times, what I think that happens is that the parties themselves, uh, they mobilize their, their, their electorate. And... Most of the times they're a different connection to the party than the average independent voter. So most of the times that um, responds continuous corruption of the, the politician mass. Because parties, they do elect their, inter their internal positioning, their internal uh, people. And the problem is that when it comes to voting, when people don't perceive that person as a good one, or if they think that person is a corrupt one, well, like yeah. what happened with Socrates, they had the, the absolute majority. Yes. The problem is that when we don't vote, we rational people and that have a clear mind, we don't owe anything to a political party. When we don't vote, we act contribute actively to that uh, corruption of the, the political mass. Okay, but you're saying that we rational people, you're assuming that every voter is rational, which it's not true at all. No, but I think that the majority of people who don't vote is because they don't believe in the political organization right now. Okay. And in the people that don't vote, we assume that they don't have any kind of connection to any political yeah. party. And so when they don't vote, because the abstention voter, let's yeah. say, is an, an independent vote. And when he doesn't vote, he doesn't contribute to a clean political situation in the country. Okay, so I think you're saying that most people who do vote are those who have an affiliation with their party yeah. or have, to some degree, some conviction in politics, yeah. where it should be a civic duty that everyone should be interested on search, being more aware of which exactly. party to, to choose exactly. and vote. Yeah. But actually, it's true that some people abstain to go against the political system. But in truth, abstention is not changing anything. In which sense? For example, if you abstain and you don't go to the ballots to vote, what is the benefit to society 
because you might have the perception that you're rebelling against the system but in truth abstention is almost 45% until now the only thing that happened is now the parties and the president are being elected with the votes of a minority mm -hmm. for example if I'm not mistaken in the last presidential elections here in Portugal there was up to 48% of abstention and Marcel won with 52% of the voters mm -hmm. so he didn't vote but it was not absolute majority because well, only 26% of the electorate actually voted on Marcelo. So mm -hmm. so I don't think that abstention represents any kind of protest. It can't be a protest voting because it's not a voting. So, I mean, a protest voting for me, it's a no vote, for instance, or a blank. Yeah, blank vote. Don't you think that voting in small parties that yeah. will not have a chance of being elected? Yeah. Because I think that now the protest voting is turning into something new. Because when these three new parties emerge in the Portuguese parliament, I think that they represent that protest of people not voting in the conventional parties. So those people, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's a a protest of the elector against yes. the implemented system since 1974. I think that we're now looking at another perspective of protest vote, voting. So new parties coming. I think that in the next elections, maybe all of these parties will have reforced uh, positions in, in the parliament, and maybe new parties will come on the political spectrum. Maybe conventional parties will disappear from the political scene. Yeah, we're watching and we're living a different reality on the Portuguese democracy. I was just afraid, as I mentioned before, that people will vote out of ignorance and just randomly choose a party that doesn't actually represent their beliefs. And it's just because they're obliged to. There is some kind of... I was saying previously that people are well-informed and I truly believe that. And if people are functional illiterates and that's much the case in Portugal, I think, they will tend to vote in those sensationalist parties. And this explains a bit the rise of populism, if we think... So this is, as well, an important point to understand how psychology matters in this process. Mm -hmm. For some odd reason, I think that's one of the, the reasons that Donald Trump was also elected, because of that sensationalist... Mm -hmm. And the di disruptive speech. Yes. Yeah, it's a very specific political frame that Donald Trump became North American president. But it was a, a very specific time frame, as I was saying. The biggest opponent of uh, Trump also was a weak candidate. So sometimes there are politicians that benefit from the lack of competition. And so in that environment, the ideas are much more easier to proliferate. Fair politicians that fight populist politicians most of the time because they have the truth on their side yes but they need to have a good background uh, and Afonso was saying Hillary Clinton didn't have fantastic backgrounds yeah uh, that absolutely drives everyone away and uh, tied with the corruption and with the scandals um, that came with their election mm -hmm. which are also a little bit shady how at the time they came to light I think that maybe I am entering some dangerous fields but we like danger if we think about pan for instance i don't think that there are many people voting in that party because they well, extraordinarily yeah, fit ideas. their beliefs yeah. uh, they're becoming so sensationalists yeah. 
Uh, isn't it like scary that with compulsory voting or with a reduced substantial, it doesn't matter, that people that are less informed would rather vote our more sensationalist parties? I think that's the most worrisome part. Mm-hmm. One important point, I would like to recall a phrase that my grandfather says every single election. And the point is that the party which wants is always the abstention party. Yeah. Uh, if, if we think about our parliamentary elections yeah. uh, earlier in October, we see the, the Socialist Party adds more or less 36%. Yes. But the abstention level was at 45%. So the Socialist Party didn't win anything. And this shouldn't be a matter of win. And from the point being, we should be aware of that. Because when this happens, there is a, a big problem with the whole system. And we should find ways to, to mitigate. Yeah, we have to fight the problem. Well, that's what the point I was trying to make. The abstention party always wins, but there's no change in regards to the political system. So that rebellious uh, not going to the ballots, it's not effectively changing anything. There are many countries that are changing their policy and making voting compulsory. Do you think change is positive or negative overall? I'm not in favor of compulsory voting. I think that people must have also that right of not voting. I think that it's something that has to be considered to the electorate. But in a sense, I understand that uh, sometimes some governments may fall in that temptation of approving compulsory voting. We explained that in our article. We had that example of compulsory voting. The point is that when we when we look at some countries in Latin America, like Chile, yeah. Um, who had compulsory voting and before they registered about 12 to 13% of abstention. And now with the new law that uh, revokes that process law of the compulsory voting, they register about a 40% abstention. So in a way, people sometimes get feel that in fact the country doesn't need their vote. So I understand that sometimes it gets annoying seeing this repetitive behavior of the electorate that doesn't matter about the state of the country. But the point is that we need to respect the will of the electorate. If he doesn't want to vote, we have to consider that opportunity of or that right of not voting. Because that's also a way of being in democracy. I can choose not to express myself. Yes, I was actually searching about it. Well, one of the principles of the democracy is that we can choose to be as involved in the political system as we like. Mm-hmm. But that is creating a whole world of problems. For example, for the European Parliament elections, only a third of the Portuguese population yeah. went to the ballots to vote. Yeah. So if you think figuratively, our vote counts for three people. Yeah. And for yeah. example, in Luxembourg, the vote was compulsory. Turnout was uh, almost at 85%. So mm-hmm. Well, but the point is that talking about European elections, I think that we registered that amount of uh, abstention, mainly because it is a reality that is further away from the, the, the yeah. Portuguese electorate. Sometimes people don't understand the importance that the European Union has in the political situation of the globe and all, of course that influence also the situation in Portugal and people don't understand the amount of power that right now the European Union concentrates in, in its institution let's say not that I'm in favor of it it's a discussion <laughs> for another day yeah, yeah, of but course. yeah people most of the times don't have that uh, idea and I think that that happens also because there's not such a an effort 
from the Portuguese government or from the representatives of Portugal in the European Parliament of explaining to the Portuguese electorate what actually means and the importance of voting for European elections. And it's something that people don't understand and I think that the Portuguese representatives of Portugal in the European Parliament do have some blame in that matter. You're giving the fault to ignorance. People yeah, are not... No, I, I think that people should be helped in a way that they must be clarified. And I think that the representatives of a country owe that to the people, to be clarified about what they are voting into. And I think that about the European elections, there's still some distance. I mean, we don't give the same cover that we give, for example, if we compare European elections and national elections. They're not the same thing, of course. Yeah, they of course don't so. have the same number of debates, they don't have the same amount of time in newspapers. The same uh, media coverage. Yeah. So I think that it's something that really must be improved. So we should not only um, invest in clarifying people and showing how important it is to vote or to express their opinion on the national, European and the presidential elections. And you gave the, your opinion that you're uh, totally against compulsory voting since in a democracy we have the right to get as involved as we like in the political life. Uh, but what about you? Do you think it would solve some problems? Or, for example, if people were obliged to vote, would they be more interested in knowing what they were voting? Or would they just randomly choose a party and, after all, the representation wouldn't be better? What I think is that, at first sight, a compulsory voting might seem a suitable measure. But we, if we think more deeply, we can engage in a good dichotomy, which is, is it better to have high levels of abstention but have people who know what they are doing? Or we will just force people to go to the ballots and then the decision is not best for the country. Yes, of course. So you were arguing that it's not a homogeneous answer. But what do you think, particularly to Portugal? Should we try to counteract the abstention with other measures? For example, more education, not only more news coverage and more debates to the elections, but also how are we brought up and how in school and in our homes uh, voting and uh, is presented? So the more honest politics are, the better uh, people will feel to... To get involved to get on the political uh, life. And if we think about what Northern countries, they are adopting mock polling systems in yeah. schools and we all like uh, we all like it. This could be a good measure. Another good measure would be to include some sort of a political course in schools. I don't think that this should be avoided because professors will tend to be biased. I think this is important. This is unavoidable. We have always our own opinions. So I don't think there is a problem with letting professors uh, teaching this subject, maybe in a more informative way. The opinion is unavoidable, but maybe uh, this could be important to raise awareness to, to this topic. Because if children are more motivated to vote and into the political cause, in the long term, the abstention levels will decrease. I think this is a an obvious consequence of this. Yes, sure. It's not only the awareness to the general public during the election period, but also how we bring up 
our children and the future generations yeah. to be more aware and more interested on the political life. So mock polling is being used in Scandinavian countries to make children more interested and involved. So do you think it could be a solution here? Yeah, as you were saying and as Gonzalo was saying, we need to prepare the future uh, generation of electors and we need to dismystify some things about the elections and some procedures that many people say make it look like they're very bureaucratic but at the end it's it's quite simple well i remember the first elections i voted and i think that we all here were the european elections and just the simple thing of uh, the carton recensement recensory card uh, voter card. cards that, that was easier. abolished right yeah that, that was abolished but still of course it's not a simple measure or it's not a simple practice in order to to have an account when you're voting but if you think about the elector card that it's not that difficult as it would seem to a little the child of uh, 16 years or 17 years near being the age to vote. The idea that I had about the electric card and not knowing it, I thought that it was something very bureaucratic. You had to know where to vote, the number of your uh, voting. It seems like it isn't reality. In fact, it's just a simple thing that you receive at your home. And you have an electric card that says everything that, I of mean, course... I, I would probably lose it if I, <laughs> if, if I ever had one. I would probably lose it. I think it might be, no. and it's much easier to have your CC yeah, yeah, yeah. or... I'm in favor of that method is simplified. I totally agree with this simplified model of the voting process. Uh, but the point is that we used to talk about it like something that was very difficult. There are some people that have this idea that voting is a difficult process when it's becoming more and more simplified. And thank God. Well, at yeah, least in my yeah. experience, I just like go to the school near my house, which is like, like seven yeah. minutes walking and I go there. There's no line because people don't vote. So there's no line. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, they say my name, but there's one problem. The system is very obsolete and it has brought some problems in the recent elections because there was, I believe, one person that went to the ballots to vote and although there are three people certifying that everything is right, for some reason they chose the wrong person before and the name was all already ticked and you and went to at least two elections so far and it's very obsolete the way that, oh, Margarida Gomes is going to vote. And they say, Margarida Gomes, yes. Even though there are many people uh, verifying that you are Afonso Butain, you are Forrest Butain, <laughs> and you are Gonçalo Silva, there's a large margin for human error. So, I mean, do you have a suggestion to change it? Yes. I, at the end of our article, we address some simple measures. One of those measures is it discards the paper voting okay. and bets on the electronic voting. But I mean, when we say electronic, it's not online. It's not, it's not the same thing. I think that online voting, if you can do it from home, it may become a little bit dangerous. Yeah, I think there's many ways that online voting could go yeah. wrong in aspects such as manipulation yeah, or exactly. of results. Made a good point there. Because online voting can lead to fraudulent and electronic vote would be just a way of... Inputting the results. Yeah. Yes, as, uh, exactly. If we think about uh, less developed countries like the African countries or Asian countries, they have the total results like in one week. We have in a few hours mm -hmm. and maybe with electronic voting. Almost instant results. Yeah. But with the introduction of uh, electronics and 
other voting besides paper. It also introduced the possibility of fraudulent voting and some type of corruption in the counting. I think so, because the point with electronic voting is that I think it would simplify a lot the point of mobility. Yes. I mean, if, if I'm a businessman, for instance, and I, I need to go to in a business travel, I, I'm not dependent of uh, voting the school near my house. I yes. can simply vote in port. The machine reads my ID card and everything is fixed. The more you reduce people people's freedom to vote the, wherever they want, uh, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult and uh, people don't like that much of bureaucracy. Namely now with so many different and alternative ways of uh, voting in other countries. But Yeah, it was just the possibility of having some fraudulent votes or some corruption. But it absolutely could be that with a high security software that would prevent all of those hacking, which would still be possible, but we have to prevent them as much as mm -hmm. possible. So when you're introducing that possibility of voting wherever, you're mm -hmm. also introducing another problem, which is now people are allocated to different schools where they mm -hmm. go to vote. If you don't know who is going to which school, you would have an increasing affluence to one school at one determined hour, and you have no idea what to expect yeah. and how to diverge that affluence. Mm -hmm. Well, the point is that with electronic voting, I think that the voting process becomes faster because you don't waste time with those procedures. I think that it, it becomes faster. Still, I think that the schools must be prepared in order to have a great affluence. But that, that affluence still happens uh, when we vote with the conventional voting process. Because if you go to the voting point at 9 a.m., for instance, no one's there. But if you go to in the lunch hour, for instance, it will be full of, of electors voting. So it's that problem of uh, affluence happens, it's reality, and I think that with electronic voting, we would overcome the problem. Well, thank you so much for coming. This was a great conversation and also our first attempt. So if you have any suggestions or any questions, please send us on our Facebook or Instagram at Nova Awareness Club. You could also visit our website at The Awareness News to read this article in full and many more. Oh, and by the way, thank you so much to Fortuna for our jingle. <laughs> and cue music. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, interact with us on Instagram and Facebook at Novo Awareness Club. Stay informed, stay aware and above all, have a great week.